Florida Matters is supported by WUSF members just like you. Your donation of $5 or $25 will help ensure public radio thrives. And thanks to Candy Olson, an additional $50 will be added to your donation. Visit WUSF.org match to maximize your gift today. This is Florida Matters. I'm Robin Sessingham. The number of hepatitis A cases in Florida doubled in 2017, doubled again in 2018, and so far this year, the number of cases are up more than fivefold. Florida's Surgeon General declared in August that the hepatitis A outbreak was a public health emergency. Today on Florida Matters, we're taking a look at the status of this potentially serious illness, what's causing the spike in cases, what's being done to protect people from getting sick. With me in the studio is Julio Ochoa, editor of WUSF's Health News Florida, and Jill Roberts, an assistant professor at the University of South Florida's College of Public Health. Thank you both so much for being here. Thank you, Robin. Thank you. So first off, what is hepatitis A? Um, And what are the symptoms of this illness, Jill? So hepatitis A is a viral infection. In a, many years ago, that was mostly spread by contaminated food and water, but lately we're seeing a spread that's actually person to person, and that's what's causing the outbreak that you see now. The symptoms can look a lot like foodborne diseases at the beginning with nausea, vomiting, fever, but then you can progress to some fatigue and you can even get jaundice. Okay, so this virus attacks the liver, correct? That's correct. And unlike a lot of vaccine-preventable diseases, this one's actually more dangerous in adults. So young people, less than 70% of them are even symptomatic. They don't even know they're infected. And it's rarely serious. It's in older individuals that it attacks the liver and actually causes a fulminant liver disease, which can cause liver failure. So you said it's passed person to person. So Julio, is it through blood? It's not through blood, right? No, they call it the fecal-oral route. So it's uh, people who maybe don't wash their hands well enough after using the bathroom. Um, it gets They can transfer it through food or by contact with another person. So this is why you see the sign always in a restaurant that says what our employees are required to wash your hands. That's um, right. But obviously, maybe it's still not happening enough. I mean, is is it being spread through restaurants, Jill? No, but there's a concern that there could be a spillover into the restaurants. So most of the spread actually is in homeless individuals and people who are IV drug users and also users of drugs that are not injectable. And so what you're seeing is a hygiene issue. So it is a fecal oral route. We also have a route of spread of men who have sex with men. The issue with the homeless population in particular is many of the individuals may actually go work in restaurants. And so now you have the case where you have an individual who's infected working in a restaurant, and that can push us back into the classical route of spread through contaminated food and water. So have we seen that, though, in these cases? Mm -hmm. These are the statistics I saw. 50% drug users, about 25% um, or more in the homeless population, leaving around 25% where they don't know how they contracted hepatitis A. 
Are they seeing cases from restaurants, or has that not been a problem? There have been some outbreaks that occur in restaurants with individuals who are infected. Unfortunately, we don't really know the data very well because there's the confidentiality issues there, which is a good thing. We're protecting the individuals. We don't know how they got infected, so then we don't know how they brought it into the restaurant. So it's hard to tell. It could be a theoretical risk entirely. But the reality is with the homeless populations, you, you do the same things you would do in a restaurant to figure out ways to prevent these infections. And that's really the key problem. Well, what's the difference, Julio, between hepatitis A and what else is there? Hepatitis C? You hear about different kinds of hepatitis. Right. There's, there's B and there's C. Um, uh, hepatitis A, there is a vaccine. There's no vaccine for hepatitis C. Hepatitis C um, uh, comes with more chronic illness. Uh, it can last a lifetime. It, it, there is a cure for it now, but it costs a whole lot of money. Um, hepatitis A, typically, it'll run its course in about two months, and then uh, you'll, you'll get better and you won't have any long-term effects. So it does, it's not really as serious, maybe, as hepatitis C. Right, but it can cause death. Uh, it's caused 45 deaths in Florida um, so far. So how do we, Jill, how do we test for hepatitis A? How do we know someone comes in, someone listening to this, and they're like, wow, I felt nauseous this morning. You know, how, how do I know I don't have hepatitis A? I mean, when should you become alarmed? When should you go to your doctor and, and get yourself tested? And how do doctors test for it? So there are, are there plenty of testings for these. For hepatitis A panels are, do exist. As always, you want to reach out to your physician. If you have any concern whatsoever, you can always call and say, this is what I'm experiencing. Should I come in? Always recommend never look to the internet for your solutions. Call your healthcare provider. If they think that you have a reasonable exposure, so that's one thing. Do you have a route of exposure that would make it likely that you are infected? Do you have symptoms that are consistent? Then you should go in and get tested. Um, Tested. So kind of flu-like symptoms, mm -hmm. you're a little bit worried about it, go ahead and get tested. And that, that's a blood test. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what are the exact numbers that we've seen this year? So there's been more than 2,800 cases this, this year, and um, that compares to 548 cases in 2018 and 276 in 2017. What in the world is causing this spike? Well, it, one thing is it's so contagious, um, and, and a lot of it, as we said, has been being spread through the homeless community, and they're not using their correct uh, hygiene. So once somebody gets it, it can live on a surface for, for uh, several weeks at a time. So um, it can spread that way, and it spreads through drug users. So once somebody gets it, it's easy to, I guess, contaminate others. Um, and if it's not uh, taken care of or people don't get enough vaccinations, then it can continue to spread throughout the community. One thing is the vaccination was not not started to give, they didn't start to give the vaccination to children until the year 2005. So there's a lot of adults out there who have not been vaccinated against this. So um, there's uh, they are susceptible to getting this disease. So Things are starting to go in the right direction. Um, here's a soundbite from the Florida Surgeon General, Scott Rifkes. He was speaking to a Florida Senate committee recently. Pinellas County, a very highly impacted county, has seen a very significant decrease in number of cases going from the peak of 66 down to 19. Pasco County has declined from a peak of 77 down to 19 cases uh, in September. Orange County 
has seen a decrease. Volusia County, we are seeing a decrease. Brevard County decreases. Hernando County decreases. And Martin County, which has been impacted by uh, individuals in this community succumbing to this virus, uh, we are also seeing a decrease in the number of cases in this area as well. So thank goodness things are going in the right direction. Um, Jill, why the turnaround? An extremely aggressive public health outreach campaign. So we learned a lot of lessons from these outbreaks going on in other states. So Florida was actually a little bit later to see this peak, and that may have occurred because we finally started looking for it. So we did more testing. But California was impacted very early. They did a really aggressive campaign where they went out and targeted the homeless populations. They vaccinated. They brought out facilities for hygiene, showers, washing facilities for hands, soap clean needle exchanges, which, as you can imagine, are very controversial. All these things together really decrease the numbers that you had. And remember, we always have that herd immunity effect. If you can decrease the numbers that are present, you decrease the spread across the board. So we were lucky to learn from what California did, and really they declared their epidemic over before ours really started to take off. And we did the same thing. So, and especially here in Hillsborough County, we have to give a lot of props to the health department for aggressively vaccinating. Pinellas and Pasco County, though, had the highest numbers of cases at, at one point, I think. So maybe they had the, the biggest, the most dramatic drops because of that. Right. And I mean, they still do have the highest number of cases in the states, but uh, month over month, they are seeing a decline in new cases. Um, in Pinellas, I believe uh, two weeks ago, for the first time in a long time, did not have any new cases uh, during the week. Mm -hmm. So they, Pinellas has been super aggressive as well at, at vaccinating uh, their population. They're offering for the health department in Pinellas County is offering free vaccinations to anyone who wants one. So they have just been hammering at home that you need to get vaccinated for this virus. They've sent out foot patrols into the community to try and reach the homeless populations. So they're they're going with Do wagons. Do they bring their vaccinations yeah, with they, them? They, they pile them in a wagon and, and they just walk around the community looking for homeless people to give these vaccinations to. So And that's going over well? They're accepting the vaccinations? <laughs> I, I actually went out with one of them and... They, they had a lot of people that did take them or, or did want to get the vaccination, but some of them were declining to get them. And it just coincidentally, they, they learned uh, about this program through California, which had experienced mm -hmm. uh, a massive out outbreak as well. So they took some of the stuff that, that Cal they learned from California and brought it to Pinellas County. And what about the the hygiene, the showers and things like that that Jill was talking about? Were they doing that also in Pinellas? I did not see them doing that, but I mean, I don't, I don't know if the health department's offering that. And you may see a significant difference in funding available to the health department. So in reality, the best thing that you can do is the vaccine. You have almost no vaccines on the market other than this one that has nearly 100% efficacy, meaning it always works. You mean no vaccines so, for other diseases exactly. that are as good as this exactly. one. Exactly. And so, what about side effects? Side effects are extremely minimal. You'll see n almost no reports anywhere with any safety effects with this particular vaccine. Um, one downside is you do have to have a second shot. There's a second booster that is required. And so m reaching a population that is migratory, like a homeless population, can be difficult to do, but not impossible. So the other issue with that is that those two vaccines need to be about six months apart. 
And so you really need to have a, a place that you can reach people. One of the things that California did was be very creative about reaching them in places like soup kitchens, where people would revisit over and over again, homeless shelters and things like that. So you could definitely reach the same person over and over if you needed to. But yeah, that's a remarkable fact for that vaccine to be nearly 100% efficacious. And Julio, even if they can't reach them for that second shot six months later, does have some efficacy. Yeah, they even say just about with the one. 95%. Mm-hmm. Efficacy, yeah, so that's so. still quite good. Sure. Mm-hmm. And one of the things about the vaccine, if, if you think you've been exposed, you can get the vaccine as long as it's within two weeks of exposure and it will have an impact and, and stop you from getting the disease. That's really interesting. So you've already been exposed to it or you're afraid you've been exposed to it. You can get a vaccine for it because usually I don't mm-hmm. usually you hear that's too late to get a vaccine. But in sure. this case, it'll stop the effects of it. That's right. That's yeah. really interesting. Right. That virus has a 28 day incubation period. So that's one of the reasons why that can work within two weeks. I see. So you may not be having symptoms mm-hmm. yet, right. but you just you're afraid you were exposed. Mm-hmm. Would the blood test show that you were exposed? You should be able to see an early exposure, yes. You're listening to Florida Matters. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. This is Florida Matters. I'm Robin Sessingham, and today we're talking about the hepatitis A outbreak. My guests here in the studio are Julio Ochoa, editor of WUSF's Health News Florida, and Jill Roberts, assistant professor at the University of South Florida's College of Public Health. So let's talk a little bit more about how it's spread. It's kind of understandable. Usually you hear about this kind of virus being spread by um, syringe use by people who inject drugs. But why is it spread in the community of people who just who take recreational drugs or who take pills or things like that? So I think to be clear, it's not a bloodborne virus. And so where we hear about injection things spreading things like hepatitis B, it's probably not that route, but rather the unclean methods that people are using or conditions in which they're injecting. So it's probably not the act so much as the conditions. In addition to that, you do have this other factor involved, which is individuals who are looking for drugs will often exchange sex for drugs. So you can have a fecal oral route of spread by sex as well. And so that's why we see an increase probably in the homeless population, in IV drug users, definitely in men who have sex with men. And then in addition to that, one thing that we should mention is that you can have spread among close household contacts. So for example, in some of the really famous hep A outbreaks that occurred due to food, you actually had a little secondary boost of cases of people who lived in the same house with the people who ate the infected food. Mm -hmm. Because that virus, as was mentioned, survives in the environment. So it's just very, very contagious. Mm -hmm. Um, So what I think I hear you saying is that It's just simply people who might be um, addicted to drugs. It's the hygiene and the homeless population. It's not the taking the drug itself. It's just sort of the living conditions that surround um, that lifestyle. That's probably true. Okay. So the Pinellas County Health Department uh, director said that the outbreak in hepatitis A mirrors the use of illicit drugs. I don't understand why now, because obviously the drug use has been going on for years. Um, So why the hepatitis A outbreak now, Jill? 
So again, what I was talking about, eventually people run out of money to pay for drugs and start exchanging other things like sex for drugs. And that's probably giving you one of your main routes. So once you get an infection like that established in that particular population, it really can take off if there's no herd immunity, if there's people aren't vaccinated. As we mentioned earlier, the vaccine only came on board recently. So you have a prime population of adults who are now using drugs. And it doesn't have to be IV drugs either. It can be other types of drugs. It's just the community, the the people who are doing this and the conditions under which they're doing this, that you have that spread. So it's that prime population that's not vaccinated. Now, there's absolutely no reason not to vaccinate everyone. So. Well, this is it. So the so the health department director urges everyone to get a vaccination. Mm-hmm. But why should we get the vaccine if we are not in one of these high risk groups? Well, but you're going to eat at a restaurant. So you may be served by someone who is in one of the high-risk groups. You may frequent an area in which those persons has been, has been located and actually gotten the virus, which is stable, communicate, or um, rather contaminated an area. And so you could get infected. The reality is, why not? Why wouldn't we take every step possible to protect ourselves? When, as you mentioned before, the vaccines are being given away for free in many places. Right. Well, it's time. Mm-hmm. It's inconvenience. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, ask any woman who has to schedule a mammogram. You know, you have to go out of your way to do this stuff. And also, Julio, how much does it cost? Well, it it depends if you have insurance or not. Um, Many times insurance will cover the whole cost. Uh, Sometimes you have to pay a copay. They're they're suggesting that people, when they go to get their flu shots, should ask for a hep A vaccine as well. Um, It could range in price from $50 to $100 out of pocket depending on the pharmacy you go to or where you have the shot administered. If you don't have any insurance. Yeah, because, out of pocket, I think 50 to $100. Yeah, because most insurance plans are covering it, I would, I right. would think. Yeah. Um, can you have it with another vaccination? Is there any problem with getting a flu vaccine and hepatitis together? No, there's no issues. Actually, I I did that. I had the flu vaccine and the hep A together because I hadn't been vaccinated. I definitely missed that cutoff years when they were vaccinating young children and they were advertising it. So when you went to CVS to get your flu vaccine, the the sign was right there. As long as you're here, get your hep A shot, your hep B shot. All of these are available. And so I said, oh, I'll, I'll take the hep A shot. Sure. No problem. And they did that shot at the same time. Julio, what is the obstacle to getting vaccinated. You were out there with them as they were, you know, patrolling, trying, you know, giving it out for free. What are the obstacles that you saw? You know, I think that that people just don't know to get the hep A vaccination. And, you know, when they were patrolling, they were patrolling in, in Gulfport when I went out with the, the health department. And uh, they would walk by restaurants and um, offer vaccinations. And many times the employees, the manager at the restaurant would get all of his employees out because he wanted everybody to get vaccinated for the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Just because, as, as Jill said, the, the instances of, of hep A outbreaks in a restaurant are so small. You know, I think the Surgeon General said there were only 4% of the actual hep A cases that uh, are being spread. When it does hit a restaurant, it, it is very public, and sometimes it can result in restaurants closing down. So you did see a lot of a lot of people who worked in the industry were very concerned about getting it. But outside of that, uh, there weren't a whole lot of people that knew to need to get the Hep A vaccine. You know, the 
public health advisory was trying to do is to alert more of the public, alert physicians to, to suggest it to um, maybe at-risk communities that they see to get this vaccination. There are you know, some interesting facts that I came across when I was looking up this. Um, infection rates in the United States have declined by over 95% since the hepatitis A vaccination became available in 1995. Mm-hmm. So that that really is a success story that you don't oh, yeah. hear that much. Right. That's correct. It just shows you how well a vaccine works. And some of that is also effective herd immunity. So just decreasing what do you mean by those. That, that herd so immunity. herd immunity means that if there's no one to spread the disease, you're not going to spread it. So you can actually have this by being vaccinated or by having a disease. Either way, you can no longer get that disease. So for example, hep A. If you've had hep A, you're not going get to get it again. If you've been vaccinated, you can't get it. So you can't spread it. So you're not a, one of those people. I could go out I could get into contact with the virus, but I can't take it home to someone who couldn't potentially be infected. So that's that herd immunity effect. And it worked great. So that's why we saw those a massive, massive number of drops. So then you can have the reverse occur like we're seeing now, where suddenly you have those niche populations that are susceptible. And that's where these things are taking off. We're not discussing an outbreak in children right now because they're all protected. They've all been vaccinated. It's all adults. Why are we thinking that Pasco and Pinellas have had, counties have had these really high numbers, higher than anywhere else in the state? Um, do you, is there an idea, Jill? Well, there's two potential ways to look at it. Number one is either their health department is doing one heck of a great job of doing detection and the other departments are not. Mm -hmm. And so maybe it's an artifact of reporting. The other thing is you have to look at those high risk behaviors. So what's going on? Do they have massive numbers of opioid crisis, uh, you know, cases going on there? Is it spillover from that? So you'd have to look at all that data to know for sure. Is it possible that it could have to do with the water? Because I see that in some places, hepatitis A is spread through uh, dirty water and eating raw seafood that's been contaminated. I would say that's highly unlikely highly unlikely because major counties have really advanced laboratories for water testing. And so again, the health department, the water department, they all have labs and they're testing that water. So somehow the water would have to be infected in the first place, which where is that going to come from? As you showed, there's a 95% drop in the virus. So even if you had a sewage overrun, you're unlikely to have sewage that would have hep A in it anyway. So I would say water and food, you can pretty much discount as the source. And I would say if, if you look at who's getting this, this disease, 55% have a history of drug use, mm-hmm. 20% are homeless. So it's not the general population that is getting infected. You know, it's, it's, it's these groups of people who are getting Very infected. specific groups right, of yeah. people. Another interesting thing that I read is that this virus is not killed by those alcohol-based hand sanitizers, which we all look at as sort of the cure for all evils. <laughs> um, and, you know, in the grocery stores and keep it in the car. So hand washing is a big deal. Yeah. And when you think that it can live on surfaces for weeks, you know, doorknobs, uh, you know, public restrooms, you know, anywhere you go, it, it, it could be an issue. So that's why it is important to get the vaccination. Well, how do you clean off those doorknobs if you can't use alcohol-based bleach? Use bleach, bleach. yeah. <laughs> bleach? bleach yes. yeah. 
Yeah, every laboratory uses bleach. We very rarely use alcohol for any type of disinfection. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't work as well as bleach does. And so remember, those other things can survive on those surfaces as well, like influenza. As we're having flu season right now, bleach. Bleach is really your go-to. So carry a little spray bottle of bleach with you. (laughs) You have to count on your environmental services to do that for you. (laughs) Okay, so... Hand washing, though, the best Mm -hmm. you can do when you go to a restaurant or you go to a gas station and use the restroom or any place like that is really good hand washing. Sure. And keep in mind, it's fecal oral. So when is your hand going to come into contact with your mouth when you eat? Mm -hmm. So wash your hands before you eat is really probably the most important thing. Keep your hands out of your mouth. You know, people are always, oh, something's in my tooth. Don't do that. So definitely keep the hands clean and keep in mind when you are going to be at high risk. Okay. So to sum up then for hepatitis A, you could have it and not even know you have it. Mm -hmm. A lot of people get hepatitis A, infected with hepatitis A, and they have no symptoms. Um, Children get it. They probably run around with it, and then it goes away. True. Um, They're not, people aren't that worried about children. And also children are being vaccinated regularly now. Um, starting in 2006, it became a regular vaccination for children. The people who have a problem are those people who are, what, over 60 years old and have underlying health Oh, younger than that, younger than that, unvaccinated and younger than that. But they have underlying health problems? Yeah, that can definitely cause increased um, likelihood to have serious problems. Mm -hmm. But you can see fatal liver infections in people in their 30s that were not vaccinated. And Julio, when does uh, the Surgeon General Rifke, when does he feel like they'll have this thing licked? Well, he says once uh, the high risk, once they have vaccinated 80% of the high risk populations, they believe we'll see a significant decline in the number of people who come down with this disease. Um, so far, they have in, in the 17 highly impacted counties, they have vaccinated uh, more than 50%. So they still have a ways to go before they hit that 80%. And he didn't really give a, num- a, a timeline for when he thought that that they were going to hit that 80%. But they're, that's why they're pushing vaccines so hard. And it's not like a summertime, it's not seasonal. Like you might look at uh, mosquito-borne illnesses um, are seasonal, but this, is, this has nothing to do with if we're coming into cooler weather. It won't affect it. Unfortunately okay. not. Julio, as I mentioned before, the director of Pinellas County's Health Department mentioned that if this kind of is mirroring opioid use, drug use. How are we seeing that? Well, the Surgeon General uh, recently said that four of the 17 highly impacted counties are actually seeing increases right now, and he attributed that to methamphetamine use. Pockets of methamphetamine use is what he said. So what are those counties? That was uh, Hillsborough, Citrus, Lake, and Marion counties have actually seen uh, slight increases in the numbers of uh, hep A case. Which is interesting because when you look at the national map, too, of where the hep A um, outbreaks are the worst, it kind of follows a map if you look at opioid use. Mm-hmm. So you can look at some of the methods in which we could control these outbreaks. Aside from vaccination, which is so important, we've got to target the drug use problem as well, which, of course, gets very expensive and very complicated, which is why I think people have kind of gone the other route. But it's complicated for other infectious diseases as well. And so in addition to what we're seeing with this, we're seeing increases in STDs, and it's following the same routes and the same demographics. 
That's Jill Roberts, assistant professor of the University of South Florida's College of Public Health. And we've also been speaking with Julio Ochoa, editor of WUSF's Health News Florida. Thank you both very much. Thank you. Thank you, Robin. There are a lot of ways for you to connect with us here at Florida Matters. You can tweet us at Florida Matters or find us on the WUSF Facebook page. You can listen to Florida Matters whenever it's convenient for you as a podcast. Search for it and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Florida Matters is a production of WUSF Public Media. The engineer is George Govin. The show is produced by Christy O'Shauna. I'm Robin Sessingham. Thanks for listening.